This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 459 for Wednesday, January 11th, 2023. It's my mom's birthday today, so happy birthday, mom. She doesn't listen to this, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, I did call her today and talk to her for a very brief minute. Cell reception was terrible, so I will have to call her after I record. And we're doing a family dinner thing on the Friday, so that's all happening this week. And before I get into uh, the guest this week, I'm sure you're familiar with the chuckle. I want to say a big thank you to our patrons. It is the top of the month and the top of the year. And this is a show that I could not do uh, without the patrons. You all support this project and I truly appreciate it. There are 27 of you, as we will talk about later in the show. If you want to support the show, if you think that it's a good podcast and you'd like to help us keep recording and, and keep producing the show, check out patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. There's lots of benefits outlined there, and I hope to provide more in the future. We're going to be doing some new stuff this year with the show um, just on the back end. So people in the Discord, in the community that are already supporting, will be more information about that as we get closer to. Uh, but this week, as we often do at the start of the month or the start of the first recording of the month, Stephen ESC is back. You can find Stephen ESC on all the social media that matters. And of course, on Twitch, uh, where he streams from the Citadel with me more often than not. Although you've had a couple of other things that you've been streaming lately on Twitch too, right? Yes, it's been, uh, work's been busy, so it's kind of thrown things off a little bit, but I have my own single player world called Shardia that uh, I've been playing on, but I also have done Portal. Portal 1 has been the last two streams because I've been looking to, I, I have played it already, but I've been looking to play Portal 2 and it's been a while, so I wanted to kind of get myself reacquainted with the mechanics in the game and and my sons and other people I've talked to are excited for me to play Portal 2 because I've I just keep hearing that it's that much better than the first one which is pretty amazing because the first one's pretty impressive. I played but did not finish Portal 2. And it wasn't for enjoying it. Like I I just didn't have time at the time. I was mm. still doing a lot of freelance art and just you ho you only have so much time to play video games. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah. And so I never, I never did finish it, but it's, it's, the mechanics are very different in a good way. Like they, they, I should, they are the same, but they add to it and it becomes much more complicated, which I nice. was saying something. Cause I, I remember doing the first portal on my own going like, wow, okay, this is mind bending. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's pretty you know. darn cool. Yeah. It's, it's a great concept and kind of a nerd culture meme at, at this point. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 The cake is a lie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I now know what the cake is a lie means. I, we are welcoming you into, I think you said your third year starting now? Yeah. On the Citadel Cafe? Exactly. So it's not that I want to step on your mom's birthday <laughs> at all. But yeah, this is a sort of an anniversary for me on the Citadel Cafe because I've been now officially co-host for two years. This will be just starting into the third year. Time flies, man. When you yeah. when you mentioned that just briefly before we started recording, I was like, no, it hasn't been that long, has <laughs> it? But then but then I think about the fact that the show is like, well, it was 2011. So now we're coming up on 12 years this fall. This is our 12th year, I guess. 
Uh, and That's so, crazy. yeah. And then, so I think about that and I think about the different people that were co-hosts and regular co-hosts, like for the longest time, it was just myself, Chad and Peyton, like consistently, it was the three of us mm -hmm. every single week. And then they started having kids and that started to, to go all over the place. And then, you know, have other people have come in and gone as their business and family lives have had to increase and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and then we, of course we had a three years, um, I say had, have are continuing to deal with, I, I really pet peeve of mine, people that talk about the pandemic, like it's over. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, during these last three years of, um, pandemic ness, uh, time has also just been a complete smoosh, you know, <laughs> like, it's just yeah, like, I just, what a blur. you think about something in 2020, you're like, that was last year. Like, nope, nope. That was three years ago. <laughs> like, well, wait, I feel like what? you just had the 10, 10 year anniversary of the show. And to think that that was yeah. not last year, but the year before that seems mm -hmm. wrong somehow. Yep. Yep. And not to mention the fact that, um, recording frequency in 2022 was actually down considerably just with scheduling challenges and me being busy, but then also life stuff happening with other co-hosts like home changes and job changes mm -hmm. and, uh, family increasing in size, uh, all that kind of stuff, which is all like good things are happening, but it makes your life very busy and it makes it very hard mm -hmm. to sit down and do a podcast regularly when, you know, important things are demanding your time. And so as a result, on average, I think Sizzle Cafe recorded once or twice a month over the course of 2022. Hmm. It felt like more to me, but it wasn't. It's it's because I have another weekly show that we absolutely do not miss that I, I feel like uh, it has a false impression in my head about how often the Sizzle Cafe recorded. So my goal this year is to try to increase that back to regular kind of weekly weekly standards. Although... Nice. To my point earlier about people that support on Patreon, it's a per episode thing. So if we only do two episodes in a month, then that's all you're supporting. You don't, you're not going to like, you're not charged on a monthly basis. It's people support on a per episode basis. So one of my favorite things about that system on Patreon is that if something happens and we have to cancel the show for any good reason, then it, there's nothing happens. Like there's no, there's no, you don't get a show as a patron and you don't pay for a thing that doesn't exist and all that kind of stuff, which is, which is great. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. So speaking of the year ahead, uh, you mm -hmm. had, uh, I think you gifted yourself a Christmas present that you wanted to talk I about. I did. Yeah. So we talked about it briefly on the, the Christmas special of things I might, might do. And I, and I took the Christmas money I got and I bought myself the Cineplex Cineclub annual membership. So my family and I had been kind of in this, a, f a fairly routine movie, I guess, period where we would go, if not every month, once every second month to go see like How to Train Your Dragon 3, the Marvel movies were coming in. We saw Into the Spider-Verse, like the first one. I forget what the, the title of it was, but it just, we had this rhythm going. And and then as soon as everything shut down, that was like the big entertainment thing that I missed. And so, so yeah, totally treated myself. And so I've got a, <laughs> looking forward to a year of movies ahead. So just so we're clear, that's where you prepay yes. to be part of the club. And then you have the ability to see what, one, two movies a month? Um, well, you get a, ticket per month um at the basically for ten dollars as opposed to i forget what the 12 or 13 dollars right it's a discounted you're getting a discount per ticket because you're buying so many at once exactly yeah although i do wish there was a bit more of a discount when you buy the annual membership versus the monthly membership just as a bit of an incentive to get the money oh yeah no that would make more sense wouldn't it yeah but they do give you 1500 uh i'm not paid by <laughs> cineplex just so everybody knows it's just i like the movie so but you do get fifteen hundred points um, as well when you buy the annual membership. And with now that I now that I think about it, that's the equivalent of a ticket. So it's almost like you buy twelve, you get a thirteenth, you get a baker's dozen 
of tickets. So, And as far as I know, there are no small movie houses around here. So you go to Cineplex or you don't go. Basically. <laughs> like, there's yeah, no other to place to go. Yeah. I've already, I mean, I used my first ticket already. I went to see Wakanda Forever. Nice. Yeah, it came out in November, but we just, it basically felt like we squeaked in seeing it before it left the theaters. Because I think it comes out in Disney Plus on February 1st, right? And so, um, so yeah, I was, I was happy to see it on the big screen, but I had a, unfortunately a bit of a bad headache. So I'll, I'm definitely going to give it another, another viewing before we inevitably talk about it on the show. So you didn't go see it or you did? I did. Yeah. We went to see it. I'm trying to remember. It was either just at the end of December or just the beginning of January. I guess that's not super important, but I had bought the tickets online and then woke up the next morning with uh, a splitting headache. So this is fantastic. So it was still quite good. I mean, the performances were excellent. We won't get into it too much, but I mean, if anybody here watches the Golden Globes or at least follows the news, I mean, Angela Bassett won for her performance in Wakanda Forever. So nice. Yeah, there was there's chit chat about it, and then I saw it. I'm like, oh my goodness, that was so good. Either way, we'll talk more about that next month. Yeah, that was on my list to go see in the theater, but I doubt it's going to happen. Although, I mean, it, mm-hmm. is it still in the theater now? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Yeah. If people are winning awards, it might still be because they often do that. If people start winning, winning things, they kind of leave it go for a little bit longer. I know that I was skillfully avoiding social media spoilers, but that seemed to have died down now. I don't see any memes or clips or people talking about how good this moment was from Wakanda forever. Yeah. I don't see that anymore. So that that part is at least good. I avoided all that, but that there's a really good chance considering that we're less than a month away from it releasing on Disney Plus, and I'm probably just going to watch it in 4K at home. Yeah, but I've got I've got basically my my year sort of planned out, and I'm on some level hoping that I wouldn't find something for every month because I thought, you know what, I'll use this opportunity to go see the things like Ant Man and the Wasp and you know, Dungeons and Dragons with my with my family, and then I was hoping there might be like nothing really I wanted to see that I knew of anyway in April, and then I could just kind of look at the list and say, well, that's Normally not something I would see on a big screen, but it looks really interesting. So I'm going to go treat myself to experience that I wouldn't normally get. But <laughs> I feel like I got something for almost every month. There's a couple of things in there for like in the September, August to October kind of range where there's really not a bunch new coming out, probably because everybody's going back to school and stuff. But I mean, we're going to put the full list of the movies up and the show notes afterwards. But I mean, the big ones are things I'll go to see my family with, like the Marvel movies like Ant-Man Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, and the Marvels, but, you know, Super Mario Bros. and things like that as well. So there's there's a, a handful of things in the list that I put there just as a kind of a, a placeholder because there wasn't much in the month. But no, I'm looking forward to it. I think I, going to see the movies is, uh, yeah, it's a highlight of the month for me. So. so when I was looking over the list, you know, a few things stuck out to me, like the Super Mario Brothers movie. I'm interested in that. I don't know if I'd go to see it in theater right away but like that's it i guess theater i'd wait to see whether people think it's good you know if it's yeah. if it's okay i'll wait for a home video but then there's some movies where you just know like guardians of the galaxy volume three they're not my favorite marvel movies but they're still a spectacle like they're still yeah, really they're, pretty they're still they're big screen very colorful experience. yeah like super colorful uh and <laughs> i also part of me with the guardians of the galaxy 3 i'm trying to separate james gunn as a director and James Gunn is the head of DCU and just 
on one hand was like, yeah, okay, respect. Not my favorites, but like they're good. And then the DCEU stuff is like, you've got to prove yourself because it looks like you're making some mistakes <laughs> right yeah. now. Uh, so yeah, I don't, uh, I mean, I know nothing obviously uh, from the inside, but you know, I, from the outside, not a lot of people are happy right now with the state of, of DC in, in the theaters. So we'll have to see. I mean, there's, there's nothing you can do, but wait. You, everything out there right now is speculation because there's no concrete, you know, concrete um, information. Um, one thing that I, I did notice was missing from the nerddom only because I saw the trailer just briefly before Christmas is Transformers Rise of the Beasts comes out in June. Oh, right, right, right. I don't expect that to be in theaters for a really long time, but if you're shy <laughs> for something in August, uh, you might be able to um, to snag that in the theaters. And that's probably, I'm not saying it's going to be Shakespeare, but I'm saying that on the big screen, it's probably going to be fun. Lots of explosions. I grew up with giant robots that fight each other. I'm excited to see giant robots that yeah, fight each other on I, the big screen. <laughs> I forgive a lot for those movies, but I think the thing for me was, especially the the cinematic stuff, uh, I went with my sister one time. She, I think she saw the first one on home video, the first Michael Bay Transformers movie. Mm. Missed the next two, because and fine, because they were not great. And then it was the one, I think it was the, th no, maybe it was the third one she went. Anyway, it was Megatron and Optimus Prime having a fight in like downtown Chicago or something like that. I think that was the third one. And Andrea was just like, this is ridiculously cool. Yeah. Like she just, it really, they nailed a lot of the lines and the action and everything was a lot clearer in the third one. Visually, they did a lot of wide shots where you could really see the robots like fist fighting like people as opposed to like these close-ups of just like moving gears and so she really enjoyed them so i've actually been tempted to rewatch some of them because of that trailer that i watched at least twice youtube is just throwing me all these like here's this cool fight scene from this bumblebee moment yeah. or this you know so you got all these little <laughs> Thanks, like 10, 10 minutes yeah exactly these 10 little, <laughs> little you know 10 minute clips of like fight scenes so like the best scenes from these movies um, and you're just like, ah, I could probably go back and watch these. I know what they are. And I think that's part of the thing about going back to watching them is that you know what to expect. But well, I guess before we go on, the one thing I'm ex really excited about for this one is it's not a Michael Bay picture. Yes. Yeah. You no, might be executive true. producer. I think I saw yeah. his name in the mix, not but directing. it's got a different yeah. director. Bumblebee yeah. kind of looks like the style of Bumblebee from the recent Bumblebee movie. And yep. when they had Optimus Prime drive by in the trailer. He's old school Optimus Prime, like the, the yeah. flat-faced... Um, it's like a Mack truck. I forget which model I, he yeah, is. Yeah, I but... can't remember the model either. But yeah, it's not it's not a GMC contract that has to be like one of their 18-wheelers. It's, yeah. it's a different... It's the classic yeah. classic model. Tr it seems truer thus far. Visually, seems truer to the original. So I'm I'm surprised that I missed it. That's, uh, that is one I want to see in the, in the big screen. Moving on to listener email, we have a message from Smurf588, one of our Bean Counter patrons regarding old episodes. Joel and Stephen, Happy New Year to you. I have now binge listened to every episode of The Citadel Cafe. I found it very interesting to hear your thoughts and comments on various movie plots and comparing them to what actually happened. One example was working out who Ray's parents were in The Force Awakens. It was interesting to listen to the speculation and the change of ideas as the movies were released. I was wondering if there are any movie outcomes that you were expecting or predicting which didn't quite happen, and did this make the movie better because it was unpredictable, or were you disappointed? Keep up the great podcast. It's a staple of my weekly audio diet. Many thanks, Smurf588. Well, thanks, Smurf, for the mm -hmm. you know, very, very cool idea and discussion. Um, I will piggyback 
off of the uh the ray being palpatine's granddaughter uh bomb that was dropped in i think it was the final one the rise of skywalker is when they revealed that yeah um and it's not where i thought they were going to go with their backstory i don't hate it uh but i didn't feel like it was all that original it kind of felt like a regurgitation of the skywalker family tree you know like where you got the big bad and then the hero is like somehow related to the big bad uh yeah. with vader and 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 his and son luke um but i feel like because of the whole grandfather thing it felt like it was just an excuse to get palpatine back in the mix and they completely glazed over her parents <laughs> which it just i mean I, I i get it they wouldn't have been important but i feel like the trick there is like if you want to mirror the skywalker saga or or mirror the luke skywalker you know anakin skywalker relationship then it should be ray and her parents that are linked yeah. mysteriously not her grandparents because like of course no one knows who her grandfather is because like he's old and dead like it just it didn't make any <laughs> sense anyway they skipped over her parents entirely which didn't really fit well with me and i thought until they revealed how weird and awful he was in the second film snoke as an idea was a more interesting villain because he was sith he was an alien uh there like there just seemed to be more going on there uh yeah. in the force awakens in terms of potential right and it's just i like the fact that there was a new menace yeah so it's, yeah. instead of going in the third movie basically going well let's go as you said a regurgitation let's go sort of back to where we were before it just felt like it was moving in it felt a bit more ominous because it was a new threat on the horizon and they did a pretty good job visually of separating Snoke from Palpatine. Like, yes, he's this withered old kind of powerful wizard looking guy, but that's all Sith when they're at that mm -hmm. level. But then instead of being all dark cloaks and shadows, he was like gold robe, bright red throne room. Like it was very showy. Right. And I thought if they had like a, not charismatic, but like flamboyant in terms of flaunting power, as a Sith villain, that would be very different than like the mm. Palpatine skulking around in the shadows for years. So, um, but they didn't ultimately go that way. And as soon as Snoke showed up, they cut him in half. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, that's the <laughs> end of that. Uh, cool scene, but like, not not yeah. really what I was I was hoping was going to happen. Um, and as far as those theories go, my favorite theory was that Rey was the daughter of Luke Skywalker and Mara Jade. Jade is a character from, I believe, now defunct novels that are not part of the canon. Uh, but Mara Jade was a redhead, force sensitive, kind of like a mix between like a Jedi and Han Solo. She's badass. Huh. Uh, nice. And a lot of female Star Wars fans that read the books really liked Mara Jade uh, and, and thought that that was really, really cool. Um, I think characters, I think she was part of the Timothy Zahn trilogy, but I'm not entirely sure, which is where Thrawn comes from. But I, I don't know if she's made an appearance in the cartoons. I don't think so. Uh, anyway, that was my, was a cool theory because then you could still have like this estranged relationship with Luke Skywalker as her father, because Luke doesn't even know he has a kid, right? Because right. it's not like Mar Mara Jade and Luke were like a fling thing, not like a real, like long-standing relationship. As far as I remember, it's been 20 years since I've read the books. Um, but anyway, that was a, a good theory for me. Um, how did you feel about the whole Ray Palpatine thing when that was revealed? Um, 
it made me ro- roll my eyes a little bit. It's I think the, the third movie as a standalone movie, not compared to the other two, I enjoyed it. It was a fun ride, but I felt like I felt like um, I guess episodes seven and nine were too much of a throwback and repetition of things that happened in the original three. Just like, you know, okay, we've got a Death Star, but it's, you know, but it's bigger now and we're going to shoot through a plant. It just felt like it was, you know, we, we need to get the fans in here. So we're going to redo that everything, everything that was done and just make it bigger. So it's just like you were saying, it just felt like it was too much of a mirror of what had happened already. Like just, I, I would have preferred it to be, um, its own storyline with Easter eggs throughout, but not such a huge throwback to the original. So it was as a standalone, I enjoyed it, but it did make me roll my eyes when it was, when he was revealed to be her, her lint, her force lineage. So the other big one for me that I saw coming, uh, and unfortunately was disappointing as, as disappointing as it was predictable, uh, was watching the series finales of uh or i should say the final seasons of game of thrones and it was otherwise an unpredictable show and when you started being (laughs) able to predict what was going on you're like what is going on with the show because it used to be i have no idea who's going to live or die horribly in the next 45 minutes uh and you just feel it undermine everything that they had set up and done over the first six seasons to build up certain characters and when those characters start doing things that are really untrue to what they've established or um, that's not something I think that Martin likes to do with his characters is just there is no hero. Everyone mm-hmm. is just shitty. And the problem with that is that not all people are shitty. And so we, when you have a good person that's a fan of the show, they want a good person to latch onto and see if that good person can make it through maybe not perfectly, but they still have to at least make some moral decisions and get somewhere. And I mean, the closest that you get is John, but even mm-hmm. then, um, this, the, the series of decisions that he makes are not necessarily smart ones. Right. So yeah. you're just like, really again, like I just, what did you not learn last time? Like that kind of stuff. And so I didn't, I didn't like that at all, especially with the fall of Daenerys and all that kind of stuff. It just felt like, well, for all the pomp and circumstance of seven seasons of saying I'm not my father, yeah, you are. Like it just, yeah. it just, it felt like a really cheap way out for the end of Game of Thrones. Now, and you, yeah. you watched it more recently than I did. Did you feel the la- the last couple seasons that were the same? I didn't care for the seventh season as much, but I didn't have the same level of feelings as everyone else because we were able to, we were getting them out from the library, and we were able to just basically watch an episode almost every night or every second night kind of thing all the way through all seven seasons. So we didn't have this six year commitment and six year relationship with the show that was just butchered in the seventh. Like for me, it was, uh, I think it was during season seven. I think I might've been talking to Alistair or somebody else that I, I learned the expression plot armor. Like it felt like all of the main characters had plot armor in season seven except for yeah Daenerys I felt like they they made her almost like like they 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 sort of flipped her to turn I don't know I don't want to use the word psycho but they just kind of made her like almost go go neurotic just because they felt like that's how the story should have her go as opposed to it it, it didn't feel like it was as gradual as I felt like it should have been so it's yeah I, I wasn't 
totally disappointed, but I was surprised by how many <laughs> people made it to the end of that season. So the other one that I think st- sticks out for me is the end of the, what is it? The third phase of the MCU end game, the end of end game with spoilers for people, the death of St- Tony Stark and then not <laughs> death, but like the exit of Steve Rogers from any kind of future MCU yeah. current storyline. Right. Um, and so it's not a death, but it's still a departure. And while I think they're excellent endings, right? Like I think that that movie suffers if Iron Man doesn't die, right? That's not a complete arc for him. You know, that movie suffers if out of water cap doesn't get back to the time that he's happy with and get the girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that those are good choices for those characters and good endings, but still sad on two levels. One, you're sad that these characters are leaving and you're sad about like that they have to say goodbye to all of their friends and all that they've done. And that, of course, everybody else is saying goodbye to Tony because Tony's gone. That kind of stuff is hard. But then you also have the experience as a fan of watching Robert Downey Jr. and chris evans play these characters beloved Mm -hmm. by millions and you're not going to get that anymore either you know unless there's a flashback but i doubt it you know like this i i would imagine for other reasons too those actors are probably wanting to move on with their career and stuff like that so i found that that was a sad sad thing however i did not see it coming i maybe during the movie you might think like okay like during the battle you think oh crap he's not going to survive this but you don't think like like mid end game tony's not going to make it right you only realize it the moment he puts the glove on at the end you're like uh oh yeah. <laughs> don't do it you i know? was i honestly wasn't even really sure because who knows what this nanobot suit is capable of like it's just mm-hmm. you know it's basically his watch and he touches it and it's becomes whatever he wants it to be so i i have had no idea whether he had kind of built this next version of the iron man suit to be able to withstand something but you know now that i'm saying it out loud is like if you've never had the power of the th- all the crystals to snap you would never know what the threshold required would be required for a suit like that but i i honestly i was i was i was not disappointed from a like you said an arc completion standpoint but i was disappointed um that the characters are no longer in it because I, I feel like they're i don't recall if they're the two earliest heroes in the movies i mean i know the hulk was first which is technically not always count not always but, counted. yeah but if you look, if you look at the modern version of the mcu iron man was first i want to say yeah. thor was the next standalone movie and then the first avenger came out right it was thor because that yeah. was I, I think thor was the same year and that's when colson said there was an anomaly or something in in the desert that they had to go yeah. check out and that was, was yeah. a hammer yeah. yeah that's how it all went and then and i yeah. think right after those three i think that then it was avengers like i think that was the the setup so one two three and then four because there was no other movies for the other characters iron man 2 might have come out before avengers but i don't think so i don't yeah. i'm not entirely sure i don't it's funny i don't remember um but yeah I, I that was that's an example of me not really predicting how it was going to end exactly um, and then having it sit in a way that was like, you understand that it's good, but it feels bad. I felt that way yeah. about the whole movie. I remember riding in the car home with Peyton talking about the film and both of us just kind of sitting there going like, that was amazing. Why do I feel like shit? 
and it's because it's <laughs> over right it's because you yeah there's it's such an ending to those chapters that you're like well one that was fantastic two that was the end that sucks because like they're not like are they gonna make any more and we all knew like there was another ant-man movie announced or you knew that the guardians of the galaxy was going to have another one come out or something like that but you're like but that's not that's not this story you know that's not yeah. cap iron man thor and the gang like that's this is over we gotta move yeah. on and um you know then we had to think all right well we know they're making more spider-man so we kind of had stuff to look forward to but it wasn't at that level so we'll have to see what what comes down the tubes um mm -hmm. with more mcu but uh thanks very much smurf for the uh yeah, great question the email really really cool yeah no it's uh that got in right right before the show actually i, I saw that <laughs> last minute it's like oh hey we have an email nice very very cool more of those please if you'd like to email the show uh send it into the citadel cafe at gmail.com moving on to the main chat uh we're gonna be talking about some star wars stuff surprise uh but i have a quick mention <laughs> And I'll get into more detail about this next week because uh, I want to finish the series. But I will say I am watching and enjoying immensely Jack Ryan season three. I've liked the first two seasons, so it's no surprise that um, John Krasinski is, is kicking butt in the third season. Uh, high acting bar across the board. Nice. Great, you know, great plot. Uh, mirrors a little bit of, of real life. Uh, there's a a uh, game of chess we'll say between russia and the u.s as russia appears to be maneuvering a nuclear warhead around and is manipulating the in the show the czech republic uh sound familiar to anybody mm. in terms of world conflict right now so the whole thing has some interesting insights about destabilization in the eastern european countries and it's well written it's well acted and there's even some good action so I will talk about that in its entirety next week when I can talk about details without spoiling it for anybody. It only just came out a few days ago. So uh, if you are into spy stuff, CIA stuff, check out Jack Ryan. Uh, season one and two are available now. And then season three, I think is all out. I think they did like a binge dump. It wasn't like a week to week thing. So oh, nice. yeah, that, you that can watch it. My question. Yeah, you can watch it all at once. I've had to pace myself at the end of every episode. I think, Ooh, I can watch one more. And I think, Nope, Nope. Cause then tomorrow, <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to have anything to watch over dinner if I finish this too soon. So it's nice for the last week or so to have just a no think situation at dinner time. I just sit down after I'm done dinner and hit play on one episode and then just kind of go go from there. So highly recommended. I admire your restraint. I've got, <laughs> I've got no restraint when it comes to things like that. Moving on, we are going to talk about The Bad Batch. And uh, I will hold back because I have seen the first season and I've just started watching season two. It premiered on February 4th, I believe, about a week ago. Uh, but you have just started, uh, I believe, on my recommendation, which is funny yes. considering when I, when I first started watching the show, I didn't like it. So I'm curious now to see what your first impressions are getting into The Bad Batch for the first time. Story-wise, I'm actually liking it. It's, <laughs> it's making me realize I have... I have so you and I chatted about this at the gym the other day, but I have some Star Wars homework to, <laughs> to do because you're like you've I, we were, I was just we were chatting about where this fits in, and I was like, I'm pretty sure it happens here, and then jo and then you said, well, you've seen the Obi Wan Kenobi series, right? And I said, no, because I haven't finished the three prequels. And he's like, what? And he's like, yeah. So either way, so I've I've got some some homework to do, but from what I understand, this fits in. It's it's between movie two and movie three. I've only I should say I've only seen the first four episodes and and Fennec Shan just showed up. 
So it's it feels like it's pre Mandalorian, but I can't. It's absolutely pre Mandalorian. Okay. This, this is set during the events of the third film of Revenge of the Sith. So this oh this happens during well the so third. the the whole series would start before and kind of end after, but during the Bad Batch, the events of Revenge of the Sith take place. Right. Gotcha. So you're kind of seeing a before and then an after, okay. uh, which is very interesting. Um, I, and I'm mincing my memory as to whether that happened during season seven of Clone Wars, which is how Bad Batch was introduced. But this is a spinoff Clone Wars series. So. Right. Um, but as far as I can remember, season one happens roughly around the same time as Revenge of the Sith. Uh, okay. Bob, um, Boba Fett and Mandalorian happen after Re- Return of the Jedi. So like 20 years later. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. 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 I get you. So okay. some of these bounty hunters have been around for a while and that's why people get so excited when they get into these like inserted mini series that are following characters that are not part of the Skywalker saga because what they can do is they can pull bit characters that kind of show up like Fennec Shand and just be like, yeah. let's just give them a decent role in the show, you know, because they don't have anything main plot wise to worry about. So they can kind of play with around with it, which is nice. It's, it's funny Easter eggs yeah. for people that know where these characters are from. Right. No, it's good. So, I mean, I guess to go back to the question, I got myself sidetracked is I am enjoying it. It's uh, it started off saying, um, talking about the clone wars and how that sort of unfolded a little bit, which made me realize I, I have that homework to go and do and maybe not watch. I think you said, was it seven seasons? Was it of clone wars? It is, it is seven seasons, but you can either go online and find character arcs and like find like episodes, like the best key moments for like Ahsoka or for Rex or like for characters that you might want to follow. Or yeah. you can just like, I want to say even the first two to three seasons of the Clone Wars, because it was aimed at such young viewers. You can have that on while you do other stuff. Right. Right. And then when it starts to get good is when you'll start to like be distracted enough by the TV that you stop whatever it is that you're doing. (laughs) You know, like you're no longer drawing the dishes. You're actually watching the television, (laughs) like that kind of stuff. Okay. You know, I I find with shows where the animation leaves me going, eh, it it bothered me for the first little bit, but then it just sort of becomes part of the show you're watching. Like you, you know, that's what it's going to be like. So you don't, your brain stops complaining about it in the back, in, in, in your background or your mental background. But I find the uh, the walking stiff, especially when they're walking downstairs and stuff. It just looks very sort of jerky and unnatural. And and they're, I find the mouths look like they're rendered oddly, where they don't look like they're rendered all the way back. And so some angles that just... There are things that bother me about it um, stylistically. But then at the same time, they some of the eye expressions and like just the, the subtle eyebrow moves and looks to the side. I, I feel like they, they nailed some of the expressions really well. So it's almost a shame that the rendering doesn't it doesn't feel like it matches sometimes. So, so far I'm not completely enamored by that. I think the the way the characters look, I, you know, I feel like I make it contradict myself. But like animation rendering, not great. But in terms of like the character designs, I think they're pretty cool. So when you say rendering, do you mean modeling, or do you mean like the textures and stuff? Um, because if you're talking about the modeling, I know what you mean. They're like they're they're fairly limited. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's maybe I'm mixing the words up. So for me, the rendering would be like the lighting, the atmosphere, the textures. I find that spot on. Yeah, fair enough. And actually, the 
and thank you. I mean, thank you for clarifying because one of the things I do like is when they do close-ups of people's faces. Sometimes is like the the sometimes the faces or parts of their faces are so angular it's almost a sharp edge to a jawline, which mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm a huge fan of. But when they get really close and the light sort of dim or kind of almost moonlight type light, it's actually it almost looks like their skin has this like a brush stroke quality to it they're like they look like there are lines in it and and it looks like it you're right i mean they look like they're rendered well they're, they're high quality rendering it's more the movement and then yeah and maybe the modeling that's the would be the word i was looking for it's just there's something that seems like the, in the joints they look like they're just single points where the forearm joins the upper arm as opposed to being the way like it doesn't feel like it has a true skeleton underneath it it just looks like it's we we have a line for the forearm that's and there's a ball where the elbow is and it just bends that way it's, it goes narrow at the elbow which looks odd to me yeah so some of that i mean i agree with you it's not great um but i think unfortunately they were kind of stuck with the established design of the clone wars because it's going to be Fair a, enough. Yeah, yeah so yeah. and that means that that's at least 10 years old right because there was six or seven seasons well seven seasons of the clone wars and season seven didn't come out right away that was like three or four years later so I don't remember when the first episode of the Clone Wars came out, but it was a long time ago. Mm. Uh, and and so you're stuck with like those design aesthetics, but the rendering in terms of the lighting and the execution and the textures, what you're talking about, where you can actually see the hand-painted textures, like specifically any male characters that have a beard, you can see the brush strokes yeah. of where they p- attached the beard in some cases. Not if it's a big beard. If it's a big beard, then it's modeled, right? It's actually a physical 3D model that's on the character's face. But if it's just like scruff or like mustache or some sort of pattern, uh, any kind of like skin markings, like aliens have got like stripes or, you know, little patterns and things. They're usually hand painted on by the texture artist. Uh, and and that has that brush stroke level of, of quality, which I think softens the 3D models, which are, as you said, very harsh and yeah. not the best, but like it's what they had at the time. And I think when you're making a TV show for network television, which was originally what the Clone Wars was for, economics are your friend right like yeah, you want that enough. thing to be very very easy to animate and very very easy to model and stuff like that when you have to add new characters every week um different story when it's being made for disney plus years later but then if it's in the same universe you kind of want to go in that realm there are other yeah. shows like rebels where it was designed and produced later um and the character models are softer they still have a Clone Wars vibe to them, but they're definitely softer in Rebels. And it it helps. It makes it feel okay. like more of a modern show. So there's there's stuff like that that's that's nice. But, uh, but yeah, I agree. I agree with the assessment of the visuals. Like it's 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 got a push and pull. Like you're kind of like, wow, this is kind of bugging yeah. me. But then after a while, you're like, well, you start to forgive it because there's other things that they do. And then Star Wars is just such a pretty universe anyway, right? Like between the ships and lasers and there's all these bright, shiny things that you're like, woo. And then you completely forget yeah. about the dumb models. You're like, ooh, that's a cool ship. And you just, your brain is off in some other way. Yeah, but one of the things that I, you say that bright and shiny, but one of the things that I, I've always liked about Star Wars is the fact that, you know, things look cool and, you know, I, I feel like I'll put quote unquote bright and shiny, but the fact that everything's just kind of dirty and gritty oh yes yeah but still great looking i just that's one of the things that i always liked about it so so it's i guess you know not to get too off topic but that's one of the things that of course bugged me and us so much about the shiny the bright and shiny kids in the book of boba fett like they just 
didn't fit in the Star Wars world. Yeah, when I say bright and shiny, I meant more like the kind of things that make Star Wars fans light up regardless yeah, yeah. of what it looks like. You know, like if it's something that looks like a Millennium Falcon or if it's a Corellian right. crater, people just kind of like, they whistle and point at the screen and go, hey, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've, I've seen that before. I've seen that before. Yeah. So how do you feel about the plot so far? Uh, I think the premise is pretty interesting in the sense that like the fact that they are clones, but intentionally made to be the quote unquote bad batch they're you know they're, they're they've been altered from the standard clone to have special traits and i thought that was cool and i i think the main characters the you know, hunter wrecker tech cutter and crosshair and then of course omega we find out soon into the season one i like them but it's there's part of me that's also bugged they're, they're most like stereotypical versions of all of those characters and i guess you could say of course they are because they've been tweaked to be each of those you know each of those traits specifically but it just feels like it's so like tech i find him pretty cool but he's just his delivery is always exactly the same and it's just you 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 get exactly what you would expect from a character called tech um cutter i think hunter's kind of your 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 neutral dude so you know he's sort of their boss or like the sort of the leader of the crew um seems the most level-headed and the most i guess most well-rounded out of all all of them um, but I find, I find Cutter to be, I think, the most interesting because he's not even really, he's not a, right, he's not a, a genetic, genetically altered clone. He's actually just, he's a regular who had, uh, had his inhibitor chip damaged. But I mean, I'm just, sorry, getting to the details, but I just, I, these, I find all of these little things pretty interesting. I even love the fact that uh, the five main bad batch characters are all voiced by the same actor <laughs> that was that was pretty fun i mean i like d bradley baker i knew him as the voice of appa and momo from avatar the last airbender and there's a couple of other things we watch as a family where if you look at the credits d has been basically the voice of the end like the non-speaking characters that's how i knew him first and foremost so it's it's pretty uh, pretty cool to actually see him kind of voice act people now and then he just like oh i'm just gonna just lay down five of them all in the same show and keep them distinct and different and he's been the voice of the clones for all the clone wars too right so oh geez any of the <laughs> yeah any of the individual clones that are talking with kenobi or skywalker or anybody else he just he does all the all the voices for it and i mean nice. i'm sure through any kind of like digital manipulation i mean i'm not sure how many different commands he's had to read out you know where they just have you know random helmeted trooper saying yes sir you know <laughs> like all that kind of yeah. stuff is all in the background as well. But it makes sense because they're all clones, so they're all going to sound exactly the same, right? True, yeah. But so far, the, the voice acting I found pretty good. I, I've liked them all except for the Omega character. I, I shouldn't say, like, I'd have nothing against the actor, uh, actor uh, Michelle Ang's performance, but I just find that her voice is too old for how young Omega looks. And I think they they handle that. It gets better in terms of, like... Okay. Yeah, I think it's, I think from what I can tell, and this is kind of like a hindsight is twenty twenty, and this is not a spoiler, but I feel like because of what Omega is and how she matures, I think that she's really young when you first meet her emotionally, but because of the experiences in the show and probably because of feedback from fans and stuff, they just, they kind of accelerated a bit. And so... She's still like the kid because, I mean, she's young, 
Um, and that's to help communicate the different, you know, the morals and the story for the young viewers and stuff like that. Yeah, fair enough. But they do a good job with bringing her up to speed because she has to deal with these clones who are adults and who are at war, you know, like all the time. Yeah. They don't do kid stuff. Right. And so she has to kind of grow up real fast. And I think that they handle that. I think that they handle that pretty well. That's good to know. I mean, her, her storyline is one that I've been curious about. I really wanted to see how it played out because I mean, right now they just, you know, after four episodes, they just have her as the, like you said, the kid of the group who's always doing the thing you don't want them to do to mm-hmm. get into trouble. And then they've had to rescue her more than once already within four episodes. It's like, all right, come on. I'm ready. I'm, I'm enjoying it, but I'm ready for the point where they sort of, as a team, figure stuff out a little bit so they can move past this. It feels like episodic, what'd you call it? Uh, Groundhog Day, almost like it's, 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 it's just feels like, yep, we did this last episode, but we're doing it again. Yep. We did this last episode. We're doing it again. And, about halfway through, I could be wrong. At some point in the first season, it shifts from episodic to like long-term story. It still has episodic resolutions, but there's a larger plot that carries through, I want to say the second half of the season. Right. Um, and that's about where my turning point was as well. For Again, same thing. Like you get Omega is like the kid that's always doing the kid thing. There's all these plot devices that you're very familiar with watching kids cartoons. But because of the other things in the show you start to forgive those things mm-hmm. and i found for me it started off there's a lot of stuff that i was like this is okay but like you know especially because i did not like the bad batch section of season seven of clone wars but then i had other people saying like you really have to give the actual bad batch show a chance because it's better than that and and you will I know you, Joel, and you will not be disappointed. So I was like, all right, well, because because of that, you know, kind of influence, I I thought I'd give it a go. But um, I'm mm-hmm. I'm happy to say with season two, and I'll keep this spoiler free just because I don't want to spoil anything for you. Mm-hmm. I've only seen two episodes. There are three available, but the third came out today. Uh, the first two episodes of season two are a two-parter, and okay. they deal directly with a little Easter egg from the Skywalker saga. And events of Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith has some really solid character motivation, though, which I thought was nice. Like a really good example is is Omega doing a kid thing. Yes, but <laughs> her motivation for it is not kitty. Her decision to do it when told not to was kitty, but her motivation is really honest and heartwarming. Uh, and the other characters have to remedy the situation, not just in the moment, but then afterwards, emotionally, they all have to kind of reach a, uh, reach an understanding. And I think that they have matured as far as the writing goes for the show, which is, which is good. I'm not saying it's like an adult, like it's not aimed at adults. It's still aimed at kids. But for me, I thought it was a much better execution. And there's just some beautiful visuals, um, some oh. great Easter egg moments. Like once you get to know the characters in the season, one, even though there are still eye rolly moments, there are still some character moments, um, especially if you're looking for like comic relief and not like like lethal weapon comic relief, like not necessarily jokey, but like funny, like smirky kind of action comedy. And Wrecker is really good at that. And there's some moments for Wrecker in the first episode or two that you're like, okay, 
that was worth it. <laughs> like that was, that was a, worth it. it was okay. a, yeah, this is a long-winded setup for this one moment. You're like, okay, no, that was worth the last five minutes of them talking and setting this up. It's like that was that was okay. fun. So stuff like that, I think, is is interesting. Um, but to and to go to your point earlier uh, about the character stereotypes, like it's the Ninja Turtles. You know, you've got Leonardo yeah, the leader. You've got Raph the big guy. You've got the party animal. You've got donatello the nerd like it's it's all there so it's not and i agree with you it's it's not breaking any kind of mold um you can even talk about like role reversals like april in the ninja turtles is the adult female that everybody has got kind of like a puppy love for but she's taking care of the turtles and then the reverse is happening in bad batch where everybody's got this puppy love for omega but she's the kid they have to take care of her and right. they're not used to it. <laughs> you know, like they just, they're used to looking out for themselves and one another from a military kind of standpoint. I did find that interesting though, because they're, they're used to having everything taken care. Like with the point I'm at, they're still trying to figure out how to, how to adult properly because they're used yes. to having everything done for them. They're like, well, we're almost out of food. What do you mean we're almost out of food? Like, well, you know, <laughs> we brought some and we just can't go and get it anymore and it was almost like you know even though wrecker as like such a stereotypical not smart dude you know he's the yeah the, the, dumb big, muscle. the big dumb guy i wasn't i wish it wasn't like that but yeah you're right yeah yeah he like if they had have had the big muscly i mean it, i've seen that as well where the big muscly guy ends up being a, a tech type character which would be i find that more interesting than a big dumb guy but either way when you know he wasn't able to get his food he's like what do you mean that's all i get so it's 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 kind of interesting to see that they're making them Part of their the first few episodes is this, them just learning how to what what do we have to do to get by? They have they've never had to do that before. So, I found the whole storyline about the inhibitor chip really interesting. Like that was where I was like, okay, like this is it's a neat idea that there are clones mm-hmm. that manage to escape Order sixty six, right? And then you're dealing with right. I don't want to say it's not PTSD, but it's. It's like when someone that's like a lifelong military veteran in in real life is no longer in the military and they're trying to adjust to civilian life, right? Right. And now these guys are still doing military operations because they're freelancing and they're they're doing like little missions. And so it's just still a lot of action. They're not like putting their feet up because there's still a lot of stuff happening. It's not like the empire took over overnight. Like there's this cool insight in the, in the, the show to see like these little droplets of how yeah. the empire establishes itself and becomes the empire when it's just going from order 66 to a very young empire. Right. The little bits of manipulation and seediness that they have. Mm-hmm. Like even, even the, the, the simple thing of saying your normal credits are no longer good, but you're able to turn them in for free for, you know, whatever they're called. Imperial, the imperial credits, credits. Yeah. Yeah. So the, basically they, they, remonetized the entire empire and everyone's like yeah cool so it's you know my five bucks is invaluable anymore it doesn't worth anything anymore but you'll give me five dollars equivalent in that which is worth something great you know no harm no law no harm no foul it's just i i can still go about my day just a different currency but they just they don't realize kind of the underlying seediness of it all it's kind of interesting to see from the outside we are so used to the empire as aggressive and shooting first and asking questions later and imprisoning people for just looking sideways and all the things that are happening later in star Wars. But early on, it's all the soft ploys. It's all the little manipulations and the, um, weaseling their way into established governments, you know, by 
offering protection even though the war's over why are you still stationed here like there's just all this kind of stuff to the point where not in this series so this isn't a spoiler but in other series you'll see things like a, f a fake front so like you'll have imperial occupation and the idea that once the conflict is over the imperial occupation will end and this planet will go back to its own independence but then the imperials hire mercenaries to continually threaten the planet so that the imperials are quote-unquote always needed mm. right so yeah. stuff like that and i always thought like that's really cool it's so black and white by the time you get to the you know a new hope that it's just like bad guy versus good guys you know yeah um and, <laughs> dressed in black dressed in white yeah exactly <laughs> literally um and yeah so like i thought that that was a was a cool cool thing but anything that mm -hmm. you're you're looking forward to with with the season one as it's going forward like you you have any place that you think it might be going i don't right now it's because it's this you just recommended to me and i started watching it so i, I don't really have a, a good sense of where these characters fit into the overall thing which is why i said i have some homework to do and i know we chatted about it a bit but i feel like i need to experience that first so i don't really know mm -hmm. it, it's it's really hard to say but i mean i you know it's it's easy to say feel like they're going to become the good guys but i don't think I don't even, I think we're going to get to a point maybe with the end of season one is that they're still trying to figure out where they fit in the entire picture. And I think, I, I think that by the end of season one, we're going to learn probably like right, right now where I am, or I mean, it happens right away, but crosshairs is, sorry, I guess spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen any of it. Um, but crosshairs isn't with the five of them right now. So I feel like halfway through, it might be halfway through the season. We'll get some resolution on his character, or maybe that'll be the big thing at the end. But I feel like Omega's story will have some, not necessarily full resolution, but it'll all come to kind of come together who she is and what her part is. At least crystallize it a little bit more than it is right now. Just, you know, only four episodes in, everything's still quite up in the air. One of the things that I'll say that doesn't reveal anything is that one of the nice things about the show because of the fresh empire and because of the new things and all of those new situations, you know, with, like you said, new banking information, new credits, uh, mm -hmm. new clamp down on smuggling that didn't have a clamp down before, like all that kind of stuff. It means that everyone in the star Wars universe is having to pivot, you know, whether it's a yeah. smuggler, whether it's a bar owner, whether it's someone that used to run weapons or someone that is the police force on a, on a, planet like they all have to pivot and one of the interesting things about that is that so do the bad batch and which means it's really hard to predict where the show is going because yeah. they are reactive and they are reacting to how the rest of the universe is, or galaxy is reacting to the empire kind of like taking hold and so yeah. the empire is taking hold and then each individual kind of person in the star wars universe is reacting in their own way and the bad batch is kind of like dealing with all of them because they're on the outer rim and they're just kind of going from place to place to place and so they have to like pivot at every turn and so it keeps it from being predictable which i did like there's a mm. some there's some things like you say like character stereotypes like when a bad guy walks in the screen in a cartoon you know it there's there's yeah. no yeah. there's no guessing <laughs> right but that's and that's fine um but but stuff like how the main kind of bad batch crew react to a situation you kind of know how that's going to happen. But what you don't know is what situation is going to be thrown at them next. Like that, that I found was at least more refreshing and, and interesting nice. as, as the series went on. 
Moving on into the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member-only Discord server, which is shared with my personal Discord, and access to Barista Cut bonus audio sessions. Special thanks to Bean Counter Patrons Cosmic and Smurf588. You've heard that name before this episode. Thanks so much <laughs> for your support on this episode. We really appreciate it. Patron count is at 27. Steady on from the holiday roundtable in December. Our goal each time we sit down to record is to have at least one more patron than the previous episode. If you would like to become patron number 28, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. I've got some quick picks at the top of the internet minute. New Lego for 2023 from, from Lego. I know, <laughs> I know. I, look, you know what? I, I couldn't they, help it. They keep on releasing cool shit. I know. I, know. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Uh, and some of these are really pretty. Uh, I'll, I'll, them out. I'll direct everyone's attention to the dried flower centerpiece. Um, but there's also a wildflower bouquet, the new uh, Lego Jazz Club is the Lego modular build for 2023. A fun standout is Gandalf Ooh. the Grey and Balrog as the in the Brickheads style, like the little like um, like Funko Pop version that Lego has of their stuff. Uh, and then the uh, uh, Hokusai, I think I'm pronouncing that right. The Great Wave mm. is their latest oh, yeah. art piece. So similar to the Van Gogh Starry Starry Nights that we talked about, similar to things like the world map. Um, there is the, the great wave. Uh, but my, the two standout for me are the wildflower bouquet. Uh, sorry, not the wildflower bouquet. The other one, the, um, the dried flower centerpiece. And the unique right. thing about this, while it would cost you a pretty penny because one of these is $70. And I would say, you know, you're going to spend a lot on a centerpiece that would look similar from a retail store that is not Lego. It's just like dried flowers and like, you yeah. know, you see these on people's, dining room tables all the time especially in the fall and what's neat about the one from lego is that if you buy two or three of them they connect together so right now it's kind of like a long thin oh, kind of flower arrangement but it has a hinge in it and if you buy several you can connect them all together and it makes a wreath so then you can have your own centerpiece inside of this lego wreath which i just it looks really cool and if i at a glance i don't know that you'd know it was lego right away uh, and, and no. I, something I really, really like about it. I thought it was very, very cool. Yeah. One of the photos actually shows it as a, a hanging on the wall, which is pretty. Yes. Pretty. Yeah. I was going to say it's pretty cool, but it's, it's just pretty. It's just that, as you said, at a quick glance, you can't tell that it's Lego. It might look like an artificial plant that you'd pick up in a craft store or a key or something like that. But yes, yeah. exactly. Like a felt, like the felt flowers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. See around. That's really nice. Yeah. And then the other one, of course, is the Balrog and Gandalf. Uh, the fact that there's two figures for $25 Canadian, um, it's well, comes, yeah, it comes out on the 26th of January and, um, Gandalf looks great, but the Balrog looks hilarious. <laughs> it's just, yeah. he's got a little whip and everything, which I just thought was just super, super funny. He's all horns and head and flames and he's got these little legs and little eyes and teeth. Like it's just, <laughs> it's really well done. Uh, and I can imagine an aftermarket led kit for the gandalf and balrog set for sure oh yeah you know little led pieces in the balrog yeah like a little led on Gandalf's staff uh and then like you said the the <laughs> flames and eyes and stuff for the balrog would just be sick that's such a such a fun fun set 
Um, but that's it. That's I just wanted to quickly mention all that kind of stuff. I won't go into all the details and the pieces and stuff. A lot of them. That's good. Yeah, they're just there's a lot of these sets that either uh, are coming out soon. For example, the dried flower centerpiece does not release until February first, uh, but all of these mm. sets have been announced and they are either out now or coming soon. Uh, and we'll have links to everything at Lego.com here in the show notes. I mean, I teased you that you were doing Legos, but they always look so cool. I just eye candy for sure. That Lego Jazz Club. I mean, I. It's if if you're not buying the modular pieces, it's it's a kind of a huge investment for just one building. But this one, it looks. I feel like it looks quite cool. Like the actual name of the building down the front looks like it's really well done. I liked the top part of that. I wasn't so crazy about the bottom. I thought the bottom blue didn't quite match what was going on upstairs. Um, but I, you know, like to each their own. They can't yeah. please everybody all the time. But I, I've seen other modular builds where I think like, okay, that that I can see is more of a standalone, like the bookshop or there was one that was like a Parisian hotel or something like that. And I thought that, or a Parisian cafe. I thought that one was really good too. Um, but yeah, it, they're definitely aimed at the people that collect these and have like a town yeah. set up and, and whatnot. Because um, they are an investment, but they're also a very high piece count. So like it's 300 Canadian, but it's also 2,900 pieces. So, right. you know, like you're getting to the point where you're almost at 10 cents a piece and that's pretty good for retail Lego. You'll see other smaller sets that'll go at a much different ratio, you know? So what's your pick this week? For my pick, I kind of want to give a, would like to give a bit of a shout out to uh, the Sandlot. It's a family friendly Minecraft community slash server. I just, I've been meaning to mention it the last couple of times, but keep forgetting, but it's, uh, it's the first server my sons ever played on when they were little. They, they sort of wanted to get online and try some of the things that they couldn't do in a single player world and, and, and play with each other and their friends. And it's, it is a family friendly environment for younger players, free from swearing, abusive language and mature content. Um, it's created by a former teacher or possibly still a teacher. I, I forget that part, but it's whitelisted. You have to apply to become a member and they, they do a background check on every single person that applies to make sure that you haven't been um, basically on, you're not on any lists that you haven't been banned from other places because they do not want anybody on the server who might cause issues. And, and I used, I used to play on there with them as well. And it was very warm. It's very welcoming. Um, they've updated their games and their parkour courses in the last little while. And I think like my sons used to play on it, then they took a break from it, but now they've gone back to it and they just, they really love the community that's there. And actually my son's been, recently become one of the official helpers on the site. So he uh, he actually welcomes people on when he's on and he'll take them on mini tours of the place and let them know. And he's actually helped some people with builds and things like that. Not that I want to, <laughs> not that I'm volunteering his time to help every single person with a build, but it's just such a cool place to ha- and a cool and safe place to have your kids start playing on a Minecraft server. So if any parents are out there with young kids and you've been toying with the idea of letting them on a Minecraft server, I'd recommend it. It's a, uh, sandlotminecraft.com so you may not know the answer to this but Hmm. uh late last year minecraft came out with a new chat reporting tool that was part of minecraft and it met with a lot of pushback from some of the more independent you know minecraft players usually older um do you know if uh the sandlot is is using the player reporting tool or they have their own sort of system I don't know. They, they've had their own very strict systems in place for a long time because <laughs> there was uh, my sons would be in chat. And, and for whatever reason, there was a thing on the Mac 
or the at least the Macs we were using in the operating systems when playing Minecraft, if you typed anything that had the letter A in it, then for some reason it saw you hitting A as Command A, select all. So when they would type AFK, it would do A, highlight the A, and then they would type FK, which is mm. an abbreviation for the F word, you know, and right, they were yeah. totally not doing it intentionally. And so they just, by just putting in FK, that that was strict, their, their system strict enough that that flagged them and banned them for 24 hours. And and so we had to kind of, and it happened another time, but we had to get in and say, look, this is what's happening with our operating system. Like we've taken a video of it and sent it in saying, we're, this is not intentional, but uh, I, I guess that's a really long way to say, I don't know, but I don't know that they would, necessarily need it anyway because they've been just trying to keep that place as safe as possible for kids for a long time and it's been pretty strict i mean it would be there they if they're running minecraft they're running the chat report yeah. tool like it's part of the game i'm just curious because what happens with because you're talking about how you know they're very strict about if player has been banned or has issues in other servers and they don't allow them to be part of sandlot and that's what the chat reporting tool does it it it, it addresses a minecraft account right so it doesn't ah, matter where you are if you're using your Minecraft account or the a Minecraft account that you have paid for and logged in with, then if you do something shady, and we're talking like re- really not nice stuff, not not just like being mean or silly. We're talking about, you know, things that are illegal or, you know, endangerment and stuff like that. Um, right. If you do stuff like that and you get reported and it goes through the system uh, and you get banned, then you're banned from Minecraft like account wise, not just right. so. So I'm just curious as to whether that would be something that the Sandlot might use in addition to it. From what I can tell, I would say people would probably get banned from Sandlot before they would get banned via the reporting tool, right? Because I feel like yeah. the Sandlot rules are even tighter than than say um, the reporting tool. Um, and if folks are interested, they can check out uh, the Spawn Chunks. Oh, I don't remember what episodes. It would have been like October-ish. Uh, around those times, we would have been reporting right. on the chat report tool for like weeks at a time. Yeah, the 1.19.1 was in? I think so. So that might have been summer, actually, now that I think about that. But we did talk about it last year. You can uh, search for chat reporting on the SpawnChunks.com and you will find a couple of episodes where Johnny and I talked about it. But it, this would be the kind of server that a five-year-old could play on. Oh, okay, yeah. Then, then they would have a tighter, a tighter ship than than yeah. the oh, overall goodness, yeah. reporting tool. I, yeah. I think the, I think my guys might have been either five and seven. Wow. Or 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 like six and eight when they first started on the server. So it's um it's 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 such a good good place. That's gonna be so, trippy, you know, when someone that young wants to play online. Like that has to be yeah. a very well researched decision you know, from your side as a parent, right? Like that's, yeah. that's a... Read a number of forums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know much older kids that are still not allowed online, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, in terms yeah. of being online, unless it's like in a closed, not a public server, but like it is a private, like two or three player game. Like I think my niece plays some games online on her tablet with her friends, but those are the only people that she's playing with. She's not in the yeah. public realm. It's just like they connect their games together in like a two player or a four player multiplayer situation. It's not right. an online situation, so to speak, uh, in terms of like who's, who's able to connect in that way. Yeah, no, it's, it's good though. I mean, part of the stipulation of them being able to join was me joining with them as well. 
just to kind of have a look around and see. And so we we played a number of times together, but then they just got <laughs> quickly got better than me at the game. And so it was just like, okay, you guys, I've, I'm I'm good that it's safe. Go to town. And so they've they're they're much older now than when they first started, and I still love it there. So. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Stephen and I talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod, and you can email the show just like smurf588 at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app. You can even find the show on YouTube. Word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. Everything that I am doing online can be linked to at joelduggan.com. You can also find the podcast that I just mentioned, The Spawn Chunks, which is all about Minecraft. Just recorded a brand new episode this past week with Johnny and uh, talking about all things coming to Minecraft Legends uh, on that episode. You can also follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream at least three days a week, Lego on Fridays and Minecraft on Saturdays and Sundays. But so far, I've had two extra streams this week. So tune in. You never know when you're going to see me. Steven, where can people find you online? Most often online, I can be found at twitch.tv slash stevenesc, Steven with a PH. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two. Surprise!